This is John MacArthur, and I'm thrilled to announce The Essential Church Movie. This feature-length film by Grace Community Church explores the battle between the church and the government throughout history. It is an unforgettable, dramatic reminder of the church's responsibility to stand courageously and faithfully for Christ against all enemies. Go to EssentialChurchMovie.com. That's EssentialChurchMovie.com. Hi, friends. Are you guys planning on going to the G3 conference coming up on September 21st until the 23rd? Well, you guys can get a 30% off when you use our discount code G3OPEL. G3OPEL. You can register now by going on the link here in the description. I can't wait to see you guys there. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. It is a joy to be here with you guys and bring another testimony of salvation. And I'm very excited for today's episode but I will get to that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, if you are new to our podcast, thank you so much for listening or watching on our YouTube channel. Um, we will love to stay connected with you guys. And the way that we can do that is by following us on social media. You can find the links here on the description. So make sure to do that right after this episode. And as I was saying, today's episode is really special because I love this with friends that I am, that I'm going to be interviewing today. Uh, they're very dear to me. We're part of the BART Network as well. So you probably even listen to their podcast. If you listen to the Women's Hope podcast uh, through the Masters University, uh, then you're here for a nice treat <laughs> with these ladies and just to get to know them and hear how the Lord brought them out of darkness into light. So please help me welcome our dear friends, Dr. Shelby and Kim. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining oh, thank me. Thank you for having us. This is such a treat. Thank you. It is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Well, I love you ladies and I'm just so, so thankful. I've been trying to like get you guys here on the podcast oh. for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to you guys before, so I'm just like so grateful that I get mm -hmm. to have you here and mm -hmm. you guys are very dear to my heart and Aww. love learning from you, from you both too. So especially you, you, Dr. Shelby, because <laughs> you come to the, um, so I mentioned before Every Woman's Grace, which is a ministry at Grace Community Church yeah. that I love, love. I mean, the Lord has used some ministry in so many ways in my life. And so this year, 2023, you came back and teaching us. So that yeah. was really wonderful. That was a great privilege. Um, we're going through the book of John. So, yeah. yeah. Which has been really sweet. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, it was like one of those things like that I was like, oh, the book of John. Well, we kind of like heard so many times this book, you know, but it's just amazing mm -hmm. how much I've been learning mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, so you're, you're used to that book, but it's like, there was so much that I just didn't know about it. So, so grateful for you teaching us and bringing oh, the word of you. God to us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, ladies. So I normally like to have my guests to think back about their childhood. So I'm going to start with Kim. So think sure. back as far as you can, you know, if, as far as you can go and just let us know, you know, what was life like growing up with your family? Uh, were you raised in a believing home? Where were you raised as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can take it from there. Sure. So you're asking me to go way back. <laughs> <laughs> but I was born in the great state of Texas and uh, lived there all of my life until 
um, I got married. Mm. And so I had never left the state of Texas, actually, wow. because Texas has everything you need. Why would you go anywhere else? <laughs> so, <laughs> there and you say that's the best country. What, what, yeah. was Texas is the best country. No. Yeah, that was off camera that she was saying that. <laughs> the best country. Yeah, it is, it is pretty much a country of its own. But anyway, yeah, so I was raised in Texas, uh, and I am so grateful for having a loving family um, that cared for me. Um, my mom took me to church every time the door was open. And if she couldn't, her mother did. Oh. And my grandmother's name uh, was Lois. <laughs> so, Interesting. Uh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, and had a huge impact on my life. Mm. Um, when I would spend the night at my grandparents' home, I would wake up, um, I'd sleep on the couch in the living room and I'd wake up and she'd be in the corner reading her Bible and so, yeah, I'm just very thankful for the provision uh, that my mom stayed home with me until, I'd say my youngest sister was about kindergarten or so. Wow. Okay. So I had that influence of getting to have my mom at home and she would be my teacher for vacation Bible school. And so I was at church. I was raised in the church as a, as a little girl. So I'm very thankful for that. And like I said, you know. I was in the Bible Belt. Texas is considered the Bible Belt. So mm -hmm. there was that influence as well uh, that really plays into your understanding of uh, salvation. And uh, so I, I think I had some confusion there just growing up in the Bible Belt as well. So was it your mom and your dad? Both so my, my mom is a believer. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like my dad's coming around. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so well. um, but my my mom got saved, I believe, right before I was born, or right as okay. I was a, a little baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you remember her teaching you the word of God, especially teaching you about sin and when you did something mm -hmm. wrong? It's not that you, you just did something wrong, but how did she approach that with you and your sister? Right? Is that yes, I have a sister. I also have a brother. Okay. And um, so. She was very faithful. She was very faithful. She would use the word of God to, you know, point us to truth. Um, it wasn't just what my mom said, but she would take us to the scripture. Yeah. Um, but my eyes still weren't opened. Mm -hmm. um, and so through that, I became a pretty good little Pharisee mm. um, because I wanted to please my parents. But I didn't do a very good job of it because mm. my heart wasn't changed. But she, she was very faithful to point out sin. I remember one time stealing some gum at a grocery store, and she took care, <laughs> she took care of business. Oh, thank you, Mom. Oh, God, that must have been scary. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I had to ask forgiveness um, from who I took the gum from. I had to go in and face the consequences of the choice that I had made. And wow. and so she was very, she was very faithful. Um Looking back, and I, I know that this was my deception, I really felt like I was just hearing the do nots a mm. lot, I, but I feel that that was my heart. I don't feel that it was my parents. I just really sense that it was me thinking that it was just a bunch of rules of things that yeah. I couldn't do, and that was my rebellion. So growing up, then you have your mom faithfully teaching you about mm. the Lord, the Word of God, calling sin when she needed to, confronting it, 
punishing, right? Because yeah. <laughs> sin must be punished. Yeah. So you suffer like the consequences, right? Like oh, I need to absolutely. go and ask for forgiveness. I know what soap tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly, right? So, so you have a faithful person in your life teaching you this. So think about then when you get to high school mm -hmm. and what does it look like for you and... Does your mom still teach you? Are you going to church? And how is school going? Yeah. Yes, I was very involved in church. Um, but I, I truly was a hypocrite. You know, I was one way at school. I had a different set of friends at school than I had at church. Um, I was very involved in the youth group. I was the secretary of the youth group. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was involved. I was active. Uh, but I wasn't uh, hungry for the truth. And I didn't hate my sin. Mm. And I had a very low view of God mm. and his holiness that really caught up with me, uh, at the end of my high school years, um, my high, my senior year, mm. uh, for sure. And, um, I just had to come face to face with, um, I could try to hide things from my parents mm. and I maybe could hide things from my church friends But God knew. Hmm. And that really began impressing on my heart my senior year. Um, I had a boyfriend that I broke up with because I realized uh, that we weren't on the same sp page spiritually. A few months after that, I met my husband-to-be. So then what's happening with your life? Um, okay, so you yeah, notice that you're, you're not compatible with this guy because... Your beliefs or what is it like? What I was being taught by my mom. Mm. Yeah. And uh, what I was being taught in my youth group. But at that age, the desire to be in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. I was trumping mm. those truths. Okay. And then I got convicted. Mm. And that if I was to really follow Christ, I could not yoke myself with mm. someone who did not have those interests and would distract me mm -hmm. from my most important relationship, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, will you say this is when the Lord then saves you? This is when you have true saving faith or? I would say it was my senior year. Yeah. I would say it was my senior year when I really, I was in an automobile accident and mm. I just had a whole lot of time in the hospital for a couple of weeks to really reflect on who God was mm. and on my sin. And I saw the consequences of my choices and yeah. I was sick of it. Mm. And, um, I really at that point began to change. So how do you see your life changing after that? What are some of the changes that you see? Because right, mm -hmm. you we have a before Christ and then mm -hmm. after Christ. Like, My relationships were changing. Um, the choices I was making were changing. Um, I didn't want to hang out with the same people, and the same people didn't want to hang out with me. Mm -hmm. So they were seeing something different as well, yeah. and so that was encouraging. Um, but I really still didn't have like this grounding. And my mom was very faithful, but just to be in the word by myself with the Lord one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And that didn't come till a little bit later. And when it came, whoo, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I just couldn't get enough. Yeah, I couldn't get enough. 
and I was so hungry for the word of God and everything that I was learning, it was just like all, everything that I'd been taught was now making sense. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that was because I think the Lord saved me and had opened my eyes before I had a head knowledge, Mm -hmm. but my heart wasn't connected to what I had been told until I was older. Many times I have said in the podcast that head knowledge never saves anyone. Absolutely. You need to see change in your life. Um, Like that's the proof of your salvation. If your life still looks the same, then, you know, that before you were saved, it's like you need to question yourself. And I think that's something that mm-hmm. now through the book of John, like that we're going through, mm-hmm. right? Like what true saving faith looks like. Mm-hmm. It has to be, I mean, it has to be something radical. Like people need to see. And like you said, your friends started noticing that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I can think of my own life also uh, where I was saying that I was probably, you know, a believer, but then I started, started leaving like the world. And then my friends see like some of the changes and yeah. Those things happen when, when your friends, they no longer, you know, want to spend time with you because you know what you're going to talk about. You're going to talk about Christ. And you just don't have the same desires, yeah. the same interests anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is a separation yeah. that takes place. Mm-hmm. And it's to be expected. Yeah. And it, it, it's a good thing. It is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if your life doesn't change, then, yeah, you should be concerned. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. so am I truly safe? I need Absolutely. to ask myself that question mm-hmm. and really examine my heart and my, you know, even my own desires. Like, do mm-hmm. I desire to mm-hmm. learn more from the word of God? Do I love God's people? Do I want to mm-hmm. be in fellowship mm-hmm. with them? Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, even like thinking about, I've, I've had friends that the, the way that they see people getting involved in their lives, is like, oh, they're being too nosy in my life. Like they're just, I don't want them to, you mind your life your own business and then i mind my own life and i'm like no but the bible tells us that we are to you know Mm -hmm. to build each other up and we need you know when we fellowship with each other it's like we watch everyone's walk with the lord and if there is anything Mm -hmm. that doesn't match (laughs) what you're professing then you're gonna call it out you're in love and kindness you're gonna Mm -hmm. point it out to your brother because you love them if you go to church you want to be uh like you want people to keep you accountable Mm-hmm. That's what you want. You want account- accountability. Mm-hmm. So yes, definitely those friendships sure. change. Well, any Proverbs eighteen tells us that when we separate ourselves from others, that we have a desire that's probably not beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then, what happens then after this? I mean, amazing work of the Lord in your life. Uh, he saves you, and then you said that you had sure. Met. I was going to school. Yeah, and um, I was working part time while going to school at a department store called Foley's. <laughs> did you have Foley's? No, I don't think we did. Oh, you didn't have Foley's? No. So anyway, it's Macy's now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know and uh, so I was working there, and I got put in the housewares department one night, which was out of my bailiwick because I was always in the women's clothing area because I was a clothes horse. <laughs> and, uh, and I met this guy. And it, you know, I told you I broke up with this other guy, and yeah. and uh, I remember my mom was picking me up from work that night, and I, I told her I said I met a guy, and he asked if I wanted to go out, and mm. she was there to pick me up, <laughs> so I was basically <laughs> teaching my mom, and uh, she's the first thing she said is, "Is he a believer?" Mm-hmm. And this is how immature I was. He's a pastor's son. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're a pastor, son, you must be a believer, be. right? <laughs> wrong. Wrong. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so that's when I met my husband, David, my beloved, which is actually what David means, mm-hmm. beloved. And uh, we started dating. And he was a senior at Texas A&M University, the great university of the great state of the great country. (laughs) (laughs) You can't hear her love for Texas, yeah. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, we got married and we, uh, a few months later, about eight months later, so we met in August, got married in May. Hmm, That's quick. It was quick. Yeah. 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 And uh, moved to New Orleans and so talk about living in a dark place. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we didn't live there long because it really was a dark place. Yeah. And uh, then we moved to Bakersfield <laughs> from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved from New Orleans to Bakersfield. Why yeah. do you guys move? Uh, it was my husband's work. Okay. It, was, it was David's job. But I'd have to say, we really found a good church. Uh, we we had to get out of Bakersfield. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> not to be offen- <laughs> offensive, but we just really weren't finding community there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was our fault. Mm-hmm. We weren't really looking in the right places. Yeah, because there's good churches there now. There are yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, there are now. Mm-hmm. I've been there, and they're wonderful. I've fellowship with some sweet, sweet believers from there. But at the time we had our daughter as well. And so we were ready to go back to okay. the great state of Texas. So the, so you guys go back from Bakersfield, you go mm-hmm. back to Texas. We did. We did. Okay. We were young okay. and just traveled, with, you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot. Um, you know, and your husband's on that corporate ladder yeah. gig and that's just what we were doing. So we moved back to Texas and I was staying home with our daughter Mm. and uh, we got plugged into a Bible teaching church. Okay. And it was just wonderful Mm -hmm. how the Lord was growing me. I was in a ladies Bible study. I was learning to study scripture inductively. Mm. Mm. And so I could study the scripture for myself and I didn't have to take for word what someone else would tell me may or may not be true, but Mm. I could go straight to the word and, Mm. um, see what God had to say about how to live my life. And it was convicting and it was good. It was so rich. And, uh, I had then my son. And so, I mean, I was dragging my little kids to Bible study (laughs) and just really loving it. And then one day our church as easily as you could switch a light switch went from a Bible teaching church to a seeker-sensitive church. Oh, wow. Mm. When I say switch, I mean literally a light switch. We went into a service one Sunday, and all the lights were dimmed, and there was no pulpit. What? And there, it, yeah, and, and <laughs> oh. I had invited a friend who was trying wow. to find a Bible teaching church, no. and that was the week she came. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Out of all, I know, right? But anyway, God used that in mm. our God used that mm. in our lives for us to really examine what matters. 
uh, regarding yeah. the word of God and mm-hmm. what you have in a church and how the word of God is taught. And that was during that era. And this goes way back to, you know, the whole purpose driven era, mm-hmm. right? Where pastors were seeking material that was very man centered. And so we saw that switch take place. Um, and so at that time, while that was happening, I was growing like crazy. I was studying Second Timothy. My husband was studying Second Timothy. He was in leadership at the church, and people were really beginning to come around him and say, "You know, you should be in ministry." Hmm. And so we looked at seminaries, and uh, we went, of course, to the obvious because we were <laughs> part of an obvious denomination where there are six seminaries, and when you're a part of that denomination, those are the seminaries you go to, right? Hmm. And so my husband got it accepted to uh, one of those seminaries, and then uh, as we checked it out, we realized that there wasn't very much Bible taught. It was a lot Whoa. more denomination-centered. Really? What? Six hours. Six, at the, and no. granted, this was you know, quite a while back, it could all have changed. I don't know. Um, so anyway, we really felt that that was not the -hmm. place for us. We were 10 years into our marriage by that time. And my husband wanted to know the languages. He wanted to know how to teach the word of God really well. He then applied to another seminary in the great state of Texas, of course. (laughs) And all the while in my heart, this is great. You know, I'm going to be near family that I can, you know, be with on Sundays. Maybe we'll go to the same church and my, you know, I'll be near my grandmother Mm. who had this great influence on my life. And I know she's going to fry chicken for me every Sunday. (laughs) And I, you know, I just, so I kind of started building up these hopes, you know, and just really painting Uh, this picture of of what this was going to be like. And it sounds really wonderful, actually. Yeah, It was was a really good fried chicken. Anyway. Oh, man. So he applied to this other seminary, and we and we realized at that time there was a, a lordship issue going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at that time, we realized maybe we would look around. Mm-hmm. And at about the same time, by God's providence, a friend of ours was cleaning out the church library where uh, it was becoming secret sensitive mm-hmm. and found... A series of these things called cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were by John MacArthur. Mm. Wow. And so this guy and my husband began listening to them. And they contacted Grace to you and said, can we get some more? <laughs> I remember those days. Oh. And so they had a deal with Grace to you where they would receive cassette tapes, Mm -hmm. a whole book. So say Matthew, I think was 226, if I'm not mistaken, cassette tapes. They would stay up all night, do two copies of the, of the tapes, and then send the tapes back to grace to you. So complicated. I know, right? Everyone. (laughs) Now we like to download the app. (laughs) There is an app for that. Yes. So (laughs) anyway, (laughs) we're listening to these sermons all the while that my husband's, you know, considering seminary and mm. the possibility of full-time ministry. Oh. And he said, I never want to go back to California. 
but mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a seminary out there. Yeah. And so he went and checked it out and yeah. he said, he called me from California and said, this is the place. Wow. And so we loaded up our possessions and we moved back to California, <laughs> not Bakersfield, but mm. Santa Clarita in 1997. 1997, you and your mm-hmm. husband and two small Cal- children and two kids moved mm-hmm. to California mm-hmm. to the promised land. <laughs> Just kidding. Bro, my husband calls Santa Clarita the land of milk and honey. So <laughs> that's what he calls <laughs> Santa that's Clarita. Funny. You know what? We did, we did move to Santa Clarita. You know, oh. a lot of people yeah. don't live in Santa Clarita. Yeah. They go to the school, but a lot do. Yeah. And so we mm-hmm. did find, find a condo that we lived in for the whole three and a half years that we were there. Totally God's provision in that. But, um, and we loved it. Wow. Loved living here. Um, and I, I have to say, sure, Santa Clarita is a wonderful place, mm-hmm. but it was really because of how we were being fed mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. Um, and just growing and just seeing the greatness of our God through his word. Yeah. was really, I think, the difference mm-hmm. Yeah, from the first time and the second time. All right. So then he comes to study then at the master's seminary, right? And then mm-hmm. he graduated actually... 2000. Two, when? He graduated in 2000. He got his doctorate in 2020. Oh, okay. Because I remember I was there for the... Yeah. I was yeah. like, wait, when did he graduate? <laughs> yeah. He's Dr. David now. He's nice. Dr. David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He did graduate last year. You're right. Okay, 22, so he got, in okay. 22, he got his doctorate. Okay, so that's what it was. Yeah, so he graduated in 2000 mm-hmm. and uh, took a church in Kansas. Mm. And and just backtracking a little bit, just so, you you know, because we're a part of Women's Hope and mm-hmm. yeah, all yeah. of that. I really saw in my walk just this emphasis of ministering to women mm-hmm. all along, mm-hmm. all along. So for, oh, well over 30 years. And when I was a seminary wife and when David was going to seminary and we were at a small church in uh, Santa Clarita, we were at Placerita Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Baptist at the time. And we were just being poured into. Mm. We were being discipled. Uh, we were being encouraged to use the gifts that God had given us, showing us the ropes of ministry and investing in us and allowed me to really observe what it mm. was like to uh, be a part of a, like a, a women's retreat and mm. all that went into that and yeah. uh, leading the women in various ways, uh, sit in on meetings and things like that. So just really they were helping me, shaping mm-hmm. me, um, to, sent me to some training classes to teach the wow. Bible to the women better. Wow. Yeah. So just a really sweet time. And then he, David graduated in 2000 and he took a church in Kansas. So a lot of tears were shed because this had become the great state yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and we loved it here. We loved the people. And so it was, it was a bittersweet time, you know, as very sweet to go to Kansas and to start a ministry. Um, mm. But boy, you know, we were, we were really thankful for all that shoring up that we were given during mm. that time, shaping mm. us. 
How long were you guys then mm. in Kansas? We were there for 13 years. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It was it was great. We just went back and visited the church and just so grateful how well it's doing. Mm. God is so good. I have a student that's part of that church. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you guys are there for 13 years Mm -hmm. and then you guys are living here in California again. Mm-hmm. So from Kansas to <laughs> California again, or what happened there in that time? Yeah, I think I, I, if I could, I guess, say I'm a Texas, Texacala, yeah, Kansan or something. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, so my husband really felt that he wanted to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So that was where the doctor came in to, oh, okay. to play. Okay. And so we came back, um, but while doing hoping to work on his doctorate it was just really demanding at his job and so he did some interim teaching and he just earned his doctorate in in 2022 okay so he he didn't really start until later Mm. um which really was a blessing according to him he said that um the whole covid shutdown he was able to study more okay (laughs) It's yeah. a blessing in disguise. Yeah. yeah. Many blessings. <laughs> yeah. Many blessings. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, have you guys been involved then in a church here? Like, because uh, he just graduated. Mm-hmm. So what does ministry look like for you guys right sure. now? Sure. Sure. So uh, he had a commitment to this secular job that he was, that he was working. And he, when he finished that commitment, he was called to a church in Castaic, Lake Hills okay. Community Church, which... Mm-hmm. is just the sweetest church in the <laughs> Valley, if you ask me. And uh, we've been there for over five years wow. Okay, wow. and love it mm. and are so grateful to, to the Lord for uh, the flock that mm-hmm. my husband has been given mm-hmm. and the women that are there. It's just so sweet. And so are you then, um, I imagine you're involved then with the women's ministry there in the church, right? I am. Yes, I am. I love Mm -hmm. to teach the women and tackle the scriptures with them. And we're in Hebrews right now and it is rich. It is so good. So now we're going to go back then, (laughs) or we're going to turn it to Dr. Shelby because then I want to connect then how you both meet and Mm. all of this. So I don't want to get into that until we get to your upbringing, your childhood. Yeah. So go back again. <laughs> just okay. like, yeah. just like him, just, you know, think back about sure. where you grew up and your family, where you're raised in a believing home. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. And, um, oldest of three and two really kind parents. They got very, they got married very young. My mom was, if you can believe this, it's going to shock you. 15 when she married my dad and had me at 16. I'm not shocked at all because my mom was the same age (laughs) when she, yeah, with my dad, yeah. You know, and and they did the best they could. I I think just being 15 and 21, I mean, you just do the best you can with what, you know, God gives you. But my parents were not believers. I I was raised in a a very liberal home. So I I think as far as their upbringing, a father that um, had a Methodist kind of upbringing, so he had some exposure, mm-hmm. um, and a mom that was more came out of the Christian Scientist background. So, uh, being that we were raised in the '60s, and being that my parents were very young, to be quite honest, I would say that I actually grew up with hippies. 
<laughs> and if my mom watched this today, she wouldn't. She wouldn't think that's a bad thing to say. Um, they they grew up. Uh, you know, they grew up more in the '40s and '50s, and then we had this whole revolution, right, that happened in the '60s. And so I'm I'm right in the middle of all that, and that's kind of where my parents were at. And um, I, you know, just raised us during that time, and uh, went to yeah public school, and yeah. So with the liberal upbringing, I don't recall ever being exposed to the gospel. So I didn't hear anything about what a gospel was until I was well into my 20s. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, oldest of three, only brothers, no sisters. <laughs> so you never heard about Christ? or No, um, I think I would have had a historical impression of who okay. Christ was. You hear about things yeah. like that or Christianity, but it wouldn't have been something that was really talked about in my home. Um, there was such a liberal ideology that you're mostly, I mean, if you, you think about the progressive Democrats now, that would have been my home. Okay. Yeah. We, I, if I, if God wouldn't have been gracious to save me, I would be a progressive Democrat probably. If you okay. think about the influence in your home, you know, yeah. being a, a strong influence, but yeah, that's where they're at. Okay. So kind, but just different, <laughs> different than how I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so think about your life before Christ. Mm -hmm. What was it like? And at what point, mm -hmm. when is the first time that you are introduced to the gospel? Sure. So before Christ, as a child, I think what happens with kids is um, they want to be the opposite of their parents. So to be honest, I was a very ambitious child. I was pretty straight-laced, um, high achiever, you know, that kind of a person, kind of embarrassed that my parents were hippies. Um, didn't bring people home very much, um, but um, over time, I um, when I got into high school, um, and I played the violin too, by the way. So it was oh, wow. kind of a kind of a square. But anyway, um, by the time I made it to high school, peer pressure was really difficult, hmm. and I eventually succumbed to what happened in the late '70s, early '80s, which um, you know most people, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't have the strength to, you know, resist those things. So I, I very much got caught up in, in the sexual revolution, just the, the sex or the drugs, I should say, and pretty rough, pretty rough in high school. I barely graduated, pretty rough. I went from high achiever and the pendulum swung the other direction. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of a mess and uh, didn't do well at all um, towards the end. And so I think when, high, when the high school years were over, um, I needed to, I, I was definitely thinking about, I need to clean my life up, that kind of a thing. But during this whole time, I had met Sean, my, my now husband. Um, so kind of an interesting story, just to kind of back up. Mm -hmm. Where I grew up, my dad owned a couple of houses on the, the, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And he actually rented a home to my now husband's brother and his wife. So I knew my husband's brother and wife way before I met Sean, because he's the youngest of eight. And he was uh, traveling uh, across country from Virginia, and he stopped in Albuquerque on the way to California to visit his brother. And I just happened to be there, but I was 14. He was, you know, 18. I was 14. He was looking at colleges. And, um, and, and so it's like, you know, hey, this is Sean. And um, I'm, I'm like, oh, hi, whatever. <laughs> it didn't even interest me. I don't... <laughs> so that's kind of how we met the first time. But anyway... Um, yeah, that so in high school, kind of a mess. Um, and but when I finished high school, I wanted to move to California. I wanted to get away from all of that. 
And by the time that happened, I was actually dating Sean because I had, we had caught up again a few years later okay. and decided that we really liked each other. And so I really came to California chasing a boy. That was really the main motivation, chasing a boy and to work in the travel business. Um, I, I wanted to be a travel agent. I got some training back in Albuquerque and um, chasing a boy. And then we decided to get married once I got here. But we had been dating for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, and so came out to California, and we got married within six months of me moving here, and had children right away, one, two, three, right in a row, and by the time we had our third child, uh, we realized that our house, we were outgrowing our home, and so we bought our first home in Burbank, and, um, and my third child was just a, a newborn girl, mm-hmm. and um, my neighbor just so happened to be a believer, and she had three little children of her own, and she was just a little bit older than me, but she just reached out to me in friendship, wanted to get to know me. Um, I wasn't very kind towards her. I was like, okay, who is this woman? And um, she just did everything she could to yeah. get to know me, and we finally became friends, and she definitely is the quintessential friendship evangelism person. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she did. She, she created a friendship and the more the closer that we got the more truth she would share and the next thing you know I'm being invited to a woman's group at church before I was a believer she's got from what I understand people praying for my salvation and mm-hmm. um, uh, when I my first impression of church actually to be honest is um, so I went to a women's group with women of small children wives of small children my first impression was no way I, c- I could never be like any of these people <laughs> they just look too like straight or whatever. I just, I couldn't handle it. Um, there used to be a movie that came out in our generation called Stepford Wives, and that's what I had in my mind. So <laughs> I was like, nah, I can't do this. Um, but what was really wonderful, I know it's kind of funny, kind of funny to think about it now because people that's probably really think that about here. me. <laughs> I just realized. Now you're on the other side. <laughs> well, that's the impression that I got. And I felt kind of, I felt kind of bad about that. But, Anyway, um, beside, dis- despite that, despite my bad attitude, no, um, I, what was really wonderful about it is there was a, a Titus, it was a Titus II ministry. I wouldn't have known that at the time, but they were very faithful to have older women uh, teach the younger women in this ministry. Mm-hmm. So every time that I would come, I would hear um, an older woman teaching truth well. Um, mm-hmm. So this could have gone so many different ways. I'm always um, so... Uh, just amazed at God's providence because you could end up at any church. Your neighbor could have gone to any church, but she just so happens that she went to a, a just a faithful Bible-believing church, you know, that John MacArthur grew up in, actually. But wow. that's another story. But anyway, so she was faithful, and then over time, I'm realizing, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to want to go to church. Can I go to church with you? And that was just another amazing providence because the pastor at the time was a very faithful gospel preacher. And so every time I would go to church, I heard the gospel every week, every week, every week. And about 10 months into all of that, I, I really started to sense that I was a sinner. And I didn't even really have a problem with acknowledging that. I knew that I was. I knew my life was falling apart. I was six years into my marriage. Our marriage was already falling apart. I have three little kids. It's just I was a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, so acknowledging sin wasn't really the issue. The issue for me, after I heard the gospel so clearly articulated, 
was I just couldn't wrap my mind around why Jesus would want to die for me. Mm-hmm. I was stuck there for mm-hmm. so long. You know, it really, really was difficult for me to think about that. And then 10 months into it, as the Lord is drawing me near to himself, at some point, I, I think God, just in his kindness, granted me repentance because you can't explain it any other way because you're trying to, to think about it analytically and it's just not working, you know. So God has to grant that. And I do clearly remember um, realizing just so many things, and especially the gospel. I mean, I, I think that's what I'm so thankful for, is these women were so intentional and so clear about what I needed to place my faith in, which is obviously, as we know, you know, the, the finished work of Christ. You know, he died, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And, and that was just huge. Um, and then after that, these same women discipled me. They, they just quickly came alongside and quickly just took me under their wings and just, you know, Bible study taught yeah. me. And I found out so many other things later, like people praying for me, even on their knees. Mm-hmm. I must have been a real stinker. So, so the, sweetest thing, <laughs> the sweetest thing about this whole story is I celebrated 30 years of being saved on February um, 4th. No, 3rd, 4th, um, February 3rd. And the only reason I know that is because they gave me a Bible when I got saved and they wrote the date in it. Mm-hmm. So I have this blue Schofield Bible. It's by my bedside. It's just hilarious. But it's, it's just a beautiful, tangible trophy of God's grace, I think, mm-hmm. to be able to see that. And the two women that were really, really instrumental, my neighbor and another gal, um, doing that for me. And... So long story short, I mean, God granted me salvation and a year later granted Sean salvation. So that, mm-hmm. that's just, I know that doesn't happen that often, but because I, I definitely wouldn't have been the picture of um, a, a First Peter 3 wife. I did everything that, that you're not supposed to do, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then we were just blessed to be able to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And then we had a fourth child later. Um, and so I would say my, my two sons, the two older ones, got the liberal parents in the beginning and then trying to figure out how to be a Christian parent after we got saved. And then my girls got the Christian parents the whole time. <laughs> wow. um, you know, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing story of providence. Now, the sad part of the story is, and, but it's kind of amazing to think about it at the same time, is the woman who was so faithful to bring the gospel to me walked away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really know if she is a believer, but what I do know is that we serve a great God and he, he could use an unbeliever to get the gospel to you, mm-hmm. to liberal me, you know, liberal uh, just messed up me. And um, that always blows my mind. And I didn't even think about that being extraordinary until uh, around 2000 when we were between pastors at the church I was saved in and I learned about God's sovereignty and election, and it all it just all made sense. That's when it clicked. So that was probably like seven years later. You know, you yeah. just you grow in your theology as you mm-hmm. go along, right? Yeah. So um, just thinking back on that. But on my 30-year salvation birthday, I actually reached out to her, and I thanked her. Hmm. And that really touched her heart. So you just oh. never know what God's going to do. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And I mean, it makes me think even like the church that I used to go to in New York, because the pastor who was, I guess you, you describe it sometimes, someone who had a great influence in my life and my uncle's life, 
he was faithful sharing the gospel. They were friends. And my uncle, eventually being an atheist, ended up being saved. My uncle shared the gospel with me. And then this pastor has a huge impact in my life. And then after I moved here to California, he left the church. Yeah. And he just resigned as a pastor that he was no longer going to be a pastor so that for me and that's where it goes i think yeah and i think even listening to one of pastor john's sermon about like the true vine and all of that Mm -hmm. um it was kind of helpful for me because i just couldn't understand like why Mm. you were faithfully preaching the word of god every sunday there so why would you leave Mm -hmm. such a you know important role of you know a pastor being in the pastor of the yeah. flock. So, but yeah, it's just mm-hmm. to understand like God is sovereign mm-hmm. over all and he can use anyone. He can to bring us to salvation, right? Really anyone, anything, anytime. Yes. Like we yeah. don't know. Praise God. Praise God for yeah, that. That's so true. So did you share the gospel with your husband or I'm curious. I did. I mean, so with Sean, he, he kind of has a little bit different experience in his family. He was brought up Irish Catholic And so he um, was brought up in that faith. And so he already had a sense of at least who Jesus was, who Mm -hmm. God was, um, like a faithful, practicing Catholic. You don't meet too many of those. (laughs) Um, But when he became an adult, um, he did not practice Catholicism anymore. Um, But he... He, it was kind of interesting because in some cases, when when you're unequally yoked, um, the husbands can... Um, be just not happy that the wife mm-hmm. is going off to church. And mm-hmm. But if you ask Sean, when he gives his testimony, he says, oh, she needed church. I let her go. <laughs> wow. I thought he was not offended by the gospel. Can we just say that? It was one of those just go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Something good's happening there. <laughs> Something is going to happen <laughs> if I yeah. send her to church. And and he, you know, he's always been like a big sports guy. So mm-hmm. as I'm off to church with the kiddos, he's watching football, which is on Sunday, right? Yeah. But he started missing us. Wow. He started missing us. And at that time, our church was kind of a Baptist flavor. I would say it was non-denominational, but it still had Baptist roots. And within Baptist churches, they would do an altar call, mm-hmm. you know, and different things like that. And so he started attending with us. And about a year into that, he disappeared. I thought he was just, um, you know, excusing himself to go to the restroom or something. But he actually went downstairs because we still hid up in the balcony, or he made me hide up in the balcony, and um, came downstairs, and I looked forward, and I saw that he made that he did the whole altar call thing, oh, wow. and I was amazed. I was amazed. So as far as did I share the gospel with him, I, I, I did try, but I don't think I was as faithful um, as, I mean, I probably was kind of forceful here, read this, you know, <laughs> get it together. You know, I just, I just don't see myself as being that humble. So anyway, <laughs> um, despite me, by God's grace, um, God drew Sean near to himself and he repented and believed. And then we had to learn how to be a married Christian couple after having horrible habits six or seven mm. years into our marriage, you know, wow. but by God's grace, we just had really, really good people in our life that came alongside and just helped us mm-hmm. with so many things, learning how, that's why I'm probably why I'm so passionate about discipleship because mm-hmm. without that influence, I don't know if we would have known how to grown up mm-hmm. to grow up in the faith because we just didn't know stuff, you know? Yeah. In fact, I even tell my students that um, once a person comes to faith, you know, don't take it for granted that they know how to do things. Like even when it comes to believer's baptism, Mm -hmm. a lot of that times that involves writing a testimony and meeting with your pastor and just these different things. And you have to actually disciple people into 
understanding that. Yeah. It's not like they understand to do that right away. Yeah. They need to understand why, you yeah. know. So we had people in our lives teaching us those things. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, the rest is history. We just celebrated 37 years of marriage. Wow. <laughs> so I want to know then how you saw your life changing, obviously, mm-hmm. after, you know, salvation. But even, I mean, I'm, I, you don't need to get into details, mm-hmm. but... I would love for you to share what your marriage looked like when you were both unbelievers yeah. and then, you know, what it looked like. What things changed? Like, what did you see changing mm-hmm. in the marriage? Sure. After no, it's a great question. Um, it's a, and it's a fair question. So um, speaking for myself, um, I was very angry, a very bitter um, person. And so what changed is just forgiveness. And I... It's not that Sean was doing anything that caused me to feel anger or angry or bitter or anything like that. I just already was. It was just out of the heart my behavior was flowing. Mm. And so he was kind of the recipient of a lot of that. Mm. Um, and so I, so forgiveness in the sense that I had to ask for his forgiveness. And um, we had to learn how to, how to live as humble people before the Lord. And uh, just even what does it mean to confess your sin to one another? You know, that's mm-hmm. very humbling, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. before you're like, I feel like I have the right to be mad. You know, <laughs> you're not doing what I want. So um, so I would say the change just came in overall attitude um, as God is working on my heart. And I've got women helping me um, how to really put off, um, understand what that even means, like just completely repenting of sinful anger and learning how to walk in a manner worthy of my calling, you know, being more gentle and uh, just kind and holding my thoughts captive. Um, he saw a big change in me. And the other thing, too, is um, he is a servant leader. He's a, he's a reserved man. He does, he's, he's not as a man of few words now, maybe, as much as he was back then. But I also had to get out of the way because I'm very bossy. And, you know, I wanted to lead the show. And so... <laughs> to be the leader <laughs> I would have been a good egalitarian people I never have that problem <laughs> <laughs> okay can I just say that um, <laughs> feminist so remember I have feminist roots remember I'm fighting the flesh and Sean is like let's just put it this way he is picking his battles you know he, mm. he was he's very gracious Sean is very very gracious mm-hmm. and very patient and so God gave me a husband that was just so patient in that way. And when I got out of the way, my husband grew in his leadership exponentially. I just needed to just purposely get out of the way and start deferring to his leadership more. And it made all the difference. It actually made all the difference. And, um, and now it's just, we just have so much fun. So, you know, as our kids are getting older and they're becoming adults, we just couldn't wait to get back to just being us. Mm-hmm. You know, we love our kids, but we wanted to be with each other. <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's a lot of what changes. And then, you know, there's a love for God's word. There's praying that happens every day with one another, a dependence upon the Lord. There's ministry interests. Um, him and I love missions. And he, and that would have been one of the bigger changes in our life, is he went from, I will never attend church on Mission Sunday, to being the missions chairman. I don't know how that happened. We're still wondering how that happened, but that happened at our previous church, and we've gone on many, many trips together, short-term missions trips. He's so passionate about um, the current ministry he's involved in is the Master's Academy International, TMAI, and he's gone on many trips, and his passion, 
he's an electrical contractor and his passion is to make sure the facilities and people have what they need um, at their different sites. So he's gone to many of those sites and built stuff, you know. And so he loves that. And so just to see him grow and, and be involved in that is just makes my heart so happy. But mostly for me, um, love for his word, just love for the women and, and just God's people in general. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, my friendships changed immediately. Um, I let go of all the worldly friendships. I just, I just didn't, I wanted to get away from all that. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so I still have unbelieving family, just, you know, trying to ask God to help me with just courage to continue to share the gospel, not to get discouraged in that task, mm-hmm. but just to be faithful. You know, so yeah, the big time. I went back to school. I wanted to teach the Bible um, better, and I wanted to uh, get more training and be more equipped. I was encouraged by people in church to do that. They saw a teaching gift in me, and so um, I. All the things that have happened to me, to be honest, it wasn't really an agenda that I pushed. It was really other people that pushed me along. Hey, you should get training here. Biblical counseling seems like a good ministry for you or, you know, different things like that. So all the training that I've had was on, was usually supported or encouraged by other people, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what the master's university was. Um, that's the first school that I was re- recommended to. Yeah. And I have a funny story. Can I tell a funny yes. story? Yes. Yes. You, funny... may, you may tell your, your funny story <laughs> yeah. at the, yeah. for TMU, right? <laughs> for TMU. So, um, you know, when you, so they used to have a degree completion program and I never got to finish my undergrad degree. And a friend of mine from my previous church recommended the master's university. And like I said, I've never heard of it. (laughs) Um, so you, they always have a welcome dinner for prospective students. And so Sean and I went together and we sat down and we're sitting by this really wonderful couple. Um, they're older and they're so kind and they're so happy that we're there. And and we're just loving this conversation. And at some point in the process, the, the gentleman got up um, to address the whole crowd. And I thought, oh, I wonder if he's over the school or over the program, you know, and I was telling, and he's speaking, and I was telling his wife, he is amazing. What an eloquent speaker he is. And so, <laughs> and then later he sits down, well, the couple was John and Pat MacArthur. I would not have even known who they were because I've never heard of John MacArthur. Okay. But just, just to kind of think back on their kindness and just the humility, I mean, you just wouldn't have known. They, they were yeah. nothing but kind. And just think that all these years later, I'm at their church now is amazing to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. So that that's kind of um, how I got there. Um, and, you know, just like David, that was a school for me. And I finished and went on and got some other training later. But, yeah, wonderful mm-hmm. times. You know, for, when you do a degree completion program, it's doable if you're a young mom because you can just do a class, one class um, each time in the night, one night a week. Mm-hmm. No yeah. big deal. So. And now you're teaching at TMU. What do you teach there? Yeah, so I teach um, classes for biblical counseling majors and women um, who want to be trained in women's ministries. So okay. I do half and half, and I really love it. I, again, um, never saw myself as a professor necessarily because I kind of came in as more in the teaching education world. Um, mm-hmm. But God is the one that that pushed me that direction and used his people to get me there. Um, <laughs> Cause certain things had to take place in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just marvel at that. I marvel at how God's providence just bumps you along. It, you know, cause that's really the story of my life. I, when I look back, I can see God pushing me in different directions. Um, not, not pushing an agenda necessarily yeah. of my own. 
And then a husband that's very supportive of all those things. I mean, of course, you know, you want to make sure that you're not operating independently. You know, this is a, a family thing. And yeah. my kids were grown by the time I got into teaching anyway. But, yeah. How long have you been teaching there? So I've been at the college, um, and I say college because when I came it was college, but I've been <laughs> at the university. Yeah. Um, I, I will celebrate 14 years on June 15th. Um, but teaching-wise, a uh, full-time undergrad teacher for the last three. Okay. And I, and I taught a little bit as an adjunct and whatnot for the last 10, you know, um, in the graduate program that they offer there. So okay. I've had a lot of variety of different things I've done there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I love it. I love this school. I've made, it's just a family to me. So I've made yeah. lots of good friends there. Awesome. Yeah. And how many kids again? Uh, so I have four children. children. Um, I have two sons and two daughters and yes. three wonderful grandchildren. I don't want to forget to mention those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how you, uh, when you come to DWG, they, they sh- uh, show a picture of you yeah. and the family. It's so sweet. Love those kiddos. <laughs> yeah, but... and I love Hannah because Hannah and oh, I, we were know, together. <laughs> I know. Hannah yes. sent me the cutest picture today. So Hannah's my youngest and yeah. um, she's... Of the four, she's single still, but um, we're hoping there's a special young man in her life. <laughs> and uh, But she sent me a sweet picture today. She was wearing her TMU um, hat, a knit hat, because she lives in Michigan, and they yeah. had so much snow yesterday. So she wanted to show me her, her, mm. her winter gear, TMU winter gear. The Cali girl. <laughs> the Cali, I know. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> Hannah... Hannah's such a crack up. She moves to Michigan, but she with all of her California clothes. So she's like wearing <laughs> pants like this where the, your ankle you is shining. And I'm like, you need boots. You need a jacket. You need all these things. So that's what she got for Christmas. Because I'm like, you're hilarious. Oh. You can't survive out here. Yeah, she's. So. I love her. She, I, I, and I loved working with her too. Aww. She was such a joy to work with. And yeah. Such well, a wonderful. thank you for saying so that. So bubbly. Yeah. And like, she, I love it. She is a very yeah. sweet girl that loves the Lord. So yeah. I'm very thankful for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies. So how do you both meet each other? How do you get to meet each other? I don't know. What, should I go first? I can't remember. Oh, it was me first. No, it was you first. Because oh, you had the, the I need. I took a class from... Oh, that's right. That's how we met. That's how we met. Yeah. 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 So, Kim. You, t- you started. What did, okay. Yeah. Tell me your side there. Yeah. How do you meet her? Sure. So, it was really sweet. Um, one of the things that is offered through TMU is to the community, you can take courses, mm. uh, just audit courses. Okay. And I think it's one of the best kept secrets is yeah, TMU. It is. Um, so people in the community can go and take Bible courses. Wow. Um, and I, I thought, well, I'm going to take a course. I had some time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at that moment. And <laughs> <laughs> at that moment. At that moment. <laughs> and I, I, I told my husband, I said, I think, take a class I just want to you know stay fresh yeah. and learning and and so I took a class a women's discipleship course mm-hmm. and no way I was her teacher you were yes. her teacher <laughs> Tell me this is awesome teacher. I love it and yeah, it was great to have her at the class she was my only Titus two woman right because the rest were undergrads Oh, yeah, they yeah. were all undergrads because I introduced <laughs> myself. Hi, I'm Kimberly Cummings, and I'm the oldest one. They love her. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really fun. It was a, yeah, it was. Course, that was so long ago. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was quite a while back. Gosh, and so I took that long. course, I think that was probably about five years ago. I had already been involved with the podcast 
through Dr. Greg Harris's ministry. And the podcast is the Women's Hope the Podcast. Women's Hope is that podcast. what it was called same before? One. Same one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was the same podcast. I had been invited to be a part of it. And I was like, well, I need to ask my husband. And sure, what's a podcast? I didn't really know. <laughs> what true. is it about? What am I going to do? Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't really even know what podcasts were. And so I talked to my husband about it. We decided on, you know, what, what is this going to look like? Um, and really what it, what it was at the time is instead of writing articles, we were just taking topics and and speaking on them. And, and, um, I had the biblical counseling certification and then someone else was working on their certification. And so we kind of were going in that direction Mm-hmm. And we were really enjoying it, having a good time. And then as life it brings opportunities sometimes, you know, and God just shuts opportunities through, you know, sickness, you know, family mm-hmm. situations or whatever. And so my co-host couldn't do it anymore mm-hmm. and uh, let me know. And I was like, you know, that's fine. My husband's uh, beginning this ministry at Lake Hills Community Church, and I really just want to pour myself um, into those women and, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of get my bearings straight, right, you know, into Mm. a new body of believers and everything. So I was like, you know, that's fine. And, um, well, it was off for about a year. Mm. So I think we were together for two about two years. We were off for a year, but in the podcast world, you know, it just stays out there, right? Yeah. And so it was brought to my attention that it was gaining traction (laughs) and I was like, okay, great. But, um, I don't have a co-host and someone (laughs) was wanting me to take, to to start it back up again. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not going to talk by myself. That seems (laughs) odd, which my husband, you you would do a good job though. My husband, my husband reminded me this morning. I talk to myself all the time. So I don't know why (laughs) that's odd, but. Anyway, so you just couldn't talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure about this, but the the guy was like, well, what if I find you a co-host? And I said, okay, I'm open. And so he actually sent an email to ACBC saying, there's this podcast and if there is someone that would be interesting in co-hosting with Kim Cummings, let us know. And within 24 hours or less. <laughs> well, okay. Let me take it from here. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah this is Where's a good place. Now? <laughs> this is a good place for, to hear from you. So I get the email. I got the email from the office, the ACBC office, which was kind of interesting. And I looked at it and I went, Kim Cummings. Oh, she was in my class. I wonder why she didn't ask me. That was my first thought. Why didn't she just ask me in person? You know, I already, in my mind, saw myself as her co-host. Because you're Dr. Shelby. Yeah. And uh, so I wrote back. and so, <laughs> about us doing a podcast together? I know. I know. I know. But I, yeah, I wrote them back and I said, oh, ask him if she would be interested in having me. Because I think I, I think I would really enjoy that. I think that would be a good match for me. Because we had become, you know, at least acquainted, mm-hmm. acquaintance friends sure. type stuff, and I felt like we clicked. So I mm-hmm. think that was, yeah. And then you got the email back, and yeah. what did you think? 
Were you I was like, like well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I don't think I've ever asked you that. What did you really think? You know? <laughs> well, you know, it was weird because, you know, when the Lord's doing something that you're really not a part of, it's mm. just kind of, you're going with it. Yeah. And it, 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 it just happens. Sometimes it just happens and you're yeah. praying, right? You're praying mm-hmm. about it. And so then it, we feel kind of silly because we're like, wait, kind of like, oh, we're in this kind <laughs> yeah. of tension and we're praying, but then God answers our prayer. And it was quickly. Yeah. And it was very quickly. Yeah. And so we were, yeah. we were doing this together. We met in someone's office and recorded oh, together yeah. and the, um, the pangs of podcasting without equipment that that was tough. But, it was it mm-hmm. was tough, you know, without good good sound and everything. But. Yeah, we didn't have all those. Andrea, yeah. thank you. We didn't have all yeah, those. Shout out to and, all our yeah. editing sound people. Thank you, oh, Andrea, yeah. for always yeah. being faithful doing our sound right. because that's all her. Yeah, you know how it is. You listen to it and you sound like you're in a hallway. You know, you just have, you just go through all that. Yeah. We did. We did. We went mm-hmm. through all of that. And uh, one day, Shelby, you came and said... Masters wants to produce us. Well, remember, they were like, we have a studio. And they had just built a podcast studio where we, where we actually record and said, yeah. hey, we'd love to produce you guys, and we have yeah. a studio for you. And we're wow. like, thank the Lord. We were so <laughs> excited. Talk about just, oh, you know, we, need, we knew we needed uh, better quality. Yeah. And... I don't know about you, Shelby. I'm not a techie. I am not a techie. <laughs> like I said, these are my people too. <laughs> and so it was just really sweet because I just thought TMU was going to let us use their studio. Yeah, that's right. We didn't realize it came with a team. And it, we right. yeah. And they were like, yeah. "Well, we want it to become a, t- a TMU production." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's amazing. It, it is yeah. totally the Lord. So I, we, you know, it started in my closet. You know, and I that's, recorded. That's actually very, that's a truth. She really did start in her closet. <laughs> recording uh, in the closet and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we went from recording the podcast in the closet to gaining a friend and yeah. then getting to record at TMU and, and now ministering almost, to women all over the world. We're almost four years. Mm-hmm. Four years. Completing four years together. The two of us, yeah. And a hundred, almost a hundred and four. 45 mm-hmm. episodes or so. Yeah. Something like that. And you guys are also, when, when did you guys join the BART Network? Because yeah. you guys were That's already there. That's all Kim. She's behind the I scenes. would say I that that was about the same yeah. time that oh, TMU so took four it years. over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys were already time. there when um, I know Kim is the one who does all the social yeah. media handling. She she, that's she's what you always really, say. She's really uh, gifted at it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> when I have the time. Yeah, when she has the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Huh? It's amazing that boomers can do things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> oh wait, it, let's just clarify something. Oh, okay, you're not a boomer. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I am Gen okay, X. I'm a boomer. Okay, I am Gen X. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's get something straight. <laughs> okay, Miss Texas. So you guys have been doing your podcast for four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been part of the Bard Network for about four years. Now. So in the Bard Network, it's just a community of Christian podcasts, reformed mm-hmm. Christian podcasts. And I think we are like up to like 20 plus something people, I think. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. Not true. So and Dwayne, I can 
Yeah, I got Dwayne, to meet our him. dear. Yes, I met him for the first time at G three. Yeah, a couple of years ago. So did I. Yeah, <laughs> I have been talking to him. It was wonderful. I got a picture with him. I was like, oh, this is so yes. great. You know? I mean, I, I we will be always like on phone calls and text messages, and then I see him in person. I'm like, oh yes, this is the first time that we're actually meeting. This mm-hmm. is so awesome. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I don't actually know you <laughs> in person, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, wonderful. I mean, if you guys want to check it out, also the link is here in the description. And I mean, so many mm-hmm. other different podcasts, amazing podcasts, like The mm-hmm. Thankful Homemaker, Marcy, mm-hmm. love her. <laughs> oh, it, Marcy's the best. Yes, I love really Marcy. Is. I met yeah. her at G3 too. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, that was my first time meeting Marcy mm-hmm. as well. I always tell her, I'm like, sometimes I, the other day I was like cleaning and I put her podcast on and I'm like text her like a screenshot I'm like I'm listening to you right now as I'm cleaning (laughs) thankful homemaker (laughs) you know it's like that reminder of like Mm -hmm. keeping your focus on Christ even Mm -hmm. in the little things that you do at home the mundane things that's what she says all the time I guess Mm -hmm. but yeah she does an excellent job of that yeah all right so uh I think we can move on to my signature question Kim Yes. Ma'am. So books, uh, favorite books that you have or books that have been helpful for you other than the Bible? Of course, we are assuming the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's one of them. <laughs> right, right. Of course, you know, the scripture is mm-hmm. first. But I would say there's been a lot of really good books that I've been pointed to. Um, kind of a funny story. When I saw <laughs> the beauty of biblical counseling lived mm. out in Siberia, my husband told me, you can do that. <laughs> So for Christmas one year, all my gifts were biblical counseling books. <laughs> wow. So I would, I would say that my biblical counseling books are really uh, precious to me. Mm-hmm. Body of Divinity mm-hmm. by Thomas Watson has, I've been through it three times now, mm-hmm. and I really like that one as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? For me? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that the two books that have had the most impact on me, and it and it's really connected to where I was growing in Christ. Um, the first one is Trusting God Even When Life Hurts by Jerry Bridges. Mm-hmm. When we were in between pastors looking for a pastor in 2000, that became very instrumental. And mine's very well worn, and mm-hmm. I, I use it in counseling constantly. Mm-hmm. And same author <clears throat> for the second one, um, Transforming Grace by Jerry Bridges. Um, just another example of needing to learn how to just the just the, just the disciplines of grace, learning how to mm-hmm. understand what that is, um, and not be a person who was trying to earn favor with God, you know, in as an in Christ one. So those two yeah. are really really precious to me, and the first ones that come to mind. But yeah, I'm I'm sure there's more, but I don't know. I've always been really inspired and learned a lot through um, Jerry Bridges' books, and yeah. So a few others by, I think Slave by MacArthur is one of my favorites too. Oh, that's such a good yeah. book. <laughs> such okay. a good yeah, book. Yeah, because that, yeah. that's when I started thinking through, yeah, what that really means, do loss, mm-hmm. and um, that that parable, the prodigal son is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. And what are three things that bring you joy? First of all, my salvation. Mm-hmm. And um, if I had nothing else, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I would say second of all, um, I receive great earthly joy from my husband mm-hmm. and I would say, and he is tied to the church, uh, obviously, but I would say the third would be the local body mm-hmm. brings mm-hmm. me such sweet joy. Yeah. When John says, I have no greater joy than seeing my children walk in the truth. 
that that is so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ditto on that, and then I'll add Noah, um, <laughs> May, and Gwendolyn. What were the threes again? <laughs> uh, Noah, May, and Gwendolyn. May. Gwen- May. Yeah. We call her Maisie, but her oh. name's May. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like May. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, salvation has to be at the top. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the way the Lord saves us and our husbands, we love them so much, but grandchildren, that is <laughs> something else that brings a lot of joy. <laughs> Not that my children didn't. I, I want to clarify, <laughs> in case my children are watching this. <laughs> I'll send it to Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> but they understand because they, they yeah. say funny things, yeah. but awesome. So I'm going to ask you the last question to you. And then, uh, when we close, before we close, okay. I'll have Kim to pray for us. Okay. Obviously, every testimony points to one person, and that person is our great, amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. For anyone who is watching who might not be a believer and listens about, you know, this Jesus, why do you guys guys care so much or talk about Jesus Mm -hmm. so much? So why do we need Jesus Christ? Well, we need him because we've been born into a sinful world. Um, You know, because of the, if you go back to Genesis, obviously, um, one man's sin, Adam. If you've, you've heard of Adam, he sinned, and from that point on, mankind is uh, born into sin. And so you can't save yourself. You can try, but it's very futile. Mm-hmm. And so God, in his kindness, um, you know, sent his son, his one and only son, which is God in the flesh, right, to be born of a virgin. And when he was ready for ministry in his 30s, he tabernacled amongst uh, people and preached a message of repentance, uh, calling people to repentance and faith, and just really uh, helping people to see that they can't save themselves. And really the call, the message is to repent, um, recognize that you're a sinner, repent from that, to turn towards Christ and to see him as the redeemer that he, he you know, the ultimate Messiah that people were looking forward to, um, and to place their faith um, in his death, because he did die a horrible, mm-hmm. excruciating death. He took upon himself the sin of those who would believe, past, present, and future. And, you know, definitely um, experienced being separated from God the Father, the wrath, horrible, um, for those who would believe. It's just an, an intense, amazing thing. And so for those that do place their faith in him, what they experience um, is just joy. Like where once you were a, a slave to your sin, now you experience and have the freedom to be a slave to righteousness um, and to be able to worship God with your whole heart. It's just amazing. But Christ is the reason. He's the key. He was willing mm-hmm. to uh, die on the cross for those sins. He was willing to put himself there. And now... What's amazing is he did rise again on the third day. He's in heaven as we speak in a glorified body, um, still bears the marks of his death, interceding for the saints. And so as in Christ ones, we um, can find such joy in knowing that um, he's there interceding for us and we can worship him. Um, But yeah, we need him. We live in a dark world. We need a savior. We need help. And we should pray every day that he would come back and uh, Mm -hmm. bring his bride home. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure Kim would agree that um, we both pray, Lord, come quickly. um, And because we want to be with our savior, we want to be able to 
you know, we still sin this side of heaven yeah. and we want to be able to be glorified ourselves and to worship him perfectly in spirit and in truth. Um, but that is the only thing that's going to save humanity. Yeah. The only thing. So that's where I'm at. And uh, we just hope that we make that message clear even on our podcast. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. And ladies, it has been such a joy to have you on the podcast. Maybe we can do something else all their time. I love yeah. having my guests uh, back. So I've had a couple of guests back. So thank you so much just for your faithfulness and, you know, the ministry that you have faithfully doing mm-hmm. your ministry and praying that the Lord continue to bless that ministry and also the ladies who are listening and that the Lord will use your podcast even to bring sinners to salvation, right? To a true saving faith. Mm-hmm even through that. Friends, thank you so, so much for listening or watching to our podcast. Uh, if you want to find uh, their podcast, you can check the link here on the description. I'll make sure to link uh, their social media and their podcast. And I will see you next time. But before we go, Kim, can you please close us in prayer? Oh, what a privilege. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for an opportunity to speak about your greatness and the love that you have shed upon us through the love of your son jesus christ and father a love that um, is so beautiful so sacrificial and so joyful it says that the joy that was set before jesus christ he went to the cross Mm -hmm. and so father we thank you that we too can have uh, joy uh, in our salvation in our suffering um, in our day-to-day lives through the work of jesus christ and father we thank you for the gift of regeneration and repentance we know it is of you and of you alone and father i just ask that whoever is watching this that um, there may be something beneficial that they can glean or uh, be encouraged by father i just pray too especially for uh, anyone who is burdened in their sin um, and father that you as you told the pharisees come unto me all Mm. who are weary and heavy laden Um, for my yoke is easy and my Mm -hmm. burden is light and I will give you rest and so Father I just pray that for anyone who may be uh, burdened by the weight of their sin Mm -hmm. in Jesus precious name Amen Amen Amen